Hey there, guys, and before we get started, I wanted to tell you about Team Von Flatern. Now, Jeremy, their production manager, has been full-time in the mortgage industry for over 15 years. He specializes in finding the right loan options for his clients and guiding the borrower through the process, focusing a swift and successful conclusion to their home buying or refinancing journey. Jeremy prides himself as a person who works with integrity and in the best interest of the customer. You'll be also receiving help from the amazing Stephen Haas, Amon Daniels, and Smith Ann Bartley. So guys, make sure to go out and support Team Von Flairden if you're looking to get your house refinanced or you're buying a house and need a mortgage. So guys, thanks for stopping by the podcast today and enjoy the episode. Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. I have a dream. We one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. Hello and welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. Hope everybody's doing good. Welcome to the 21st episode of the podcast. So today I have another great guest. So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great. Uh, Hi, I'm Stephanie Potts. Uh, I'm actually an emergency medicine physician assistant. And I have started the Maddie Potts Foundation, uh, which is a 501c3 nonprofit in honor, honor of my daughter, Madeline Potts, who passed away of a ruptured brain aneurysm in September of 2017. Great. Well, I appreciate you coming on and uh, we're going to have a great conversation. So if you want to get into, I mean, I've mentioned the Batting Pots Foundation Oops, actually uh, when I did a podcast with Blake Phillippe. Um, and if you want to talk a little bit about the foundation, you know, obviously you started it because of Maddie and, you know, what are the goals of the foundation and what do you see the foundation going into in the future? Uh, so we started Maddie's Foundation uh, November of 2017, and it was really barely two months after she had passed away. And we had a lot of ideas at the time. Um, Maddie was a three-sport athlete, um, female athlete of the year for her school, had gotten some state recognition over the years, and was just very committed. And when she passed so acutely, particularly because it was on the soccer field, then the outpouring of tributes and thoughts and all of the behind the scenes things that she had done for people that we weren't aware of were very powerful, not just from a parent standpoint, but from um, the tributes from her peers. So because Maddie really dedicated her life to athletics as well as being an aspiring artist, our very first thought was to find the needs that were at our local community and school and some of the things Maddie had commented on wanting to start uh, before she passed and then try and add the once as the foundation became more successful. So we started off um, collaborating really early on with the Positive Coaching Alliance, which is a national organization that influences and fosters um, 
lifelong goals and uh, lifelong attributes as a result of athletics. So we partnered with them um, and we're able to give some free seminars to our local community as well as uh, one at Brown University early on. And as the support really continued to build, we asked the school and I became a sports booster and that really helped me see the needs of what they needed as far as facilities. Uh, Maddie's High School, Cherahoe High School, has a beautiful stadium, really uh, great fields for being in a more rural area that we're at, but the stadium itself has no running water, has portable toilets, um, and the boosters have been trying for a very long time to fund those resources and they were just not able to so we took advantage of that so to speak and talked with them worked with them and started our largest goal and our current goal to complete the Maddie Potts Memorial Fieldhouse. Very cool um yeah great story uh and the the fieldhouse looks like it's coming along great I've been seeing the pictures online and um we, I actually, we actually 3D printed uh, a model of it, you know, yep. you know, last, what was it, last, not Christmas of 2020, I think it yep. was, right? Yep. Yeah, so actually Frank Karpowitz, who designed it, um, I know him, and hopefully he'll be coming on the podcast in the future, uh, designed it, looks amazing, um, and I really can't wait to see it. So it's going to make that whole area, like, look beautiful, and right. um just going to be an amazing tribute to Maddie and uh it's I feel like it's going to finish off the campus in a way that just would have never been a priority because there's so many other needs right now and we really looked at um we tried to design it in three different places first where the original concession is which is really just a a shack, so to speak. Again, no running water, nothing else. Um, but w- there wasn't enough property behind that area for us to fit what we wanted. And it also didn't make sense for athletes to have to run across the field to get to the bathroom. Um, and one of the goals, speaking with the athletic department, was to try and keep fans and athletes somewhat more separated during mm-hmm. events. Um, And then we had tried to put it at the opposite end of the end zone, but uh, logistically that didn't make sense, um, particularly for someone that would be in a wheelchair or elderly or, you know, had a disability. That is something the foundation supports as well. So that placement didn't work. And then I started talking to Frank Karperwitz, the architect you mentioned, and I drew, literally drew a sketch of what I thought it could be on a paper bag Mm -hmm. while I was volunteering at another uh, foundation's golf tournament. And I took a picture of it, sent it to Frank, and I said, what about this? And he said, I like it, and I still have the paper bag, and he designed exactly that um so it's more of an l shape Mm -hmm. with a central we call it the maddie mentality atrium um and it's located behind the visitor's bench but 
behind the baseball field and by the field hockey field um, closer to the main part of campus. So that area just made more sense to place it there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. I mean, and it, it'll be nice because just like, like you said, something like going to the bathroom, you had to go into the <laughs> building and, um, like literally, the, yeah. Like, and, and sometimes a door be locked and some yeah. people knew the password that weren't supposed to know the password. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it was sort of like one of those weird things. And Porto Tolis can be really cold in the winter. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Well, I can tell you they are very high quality. They portable are. Toilets. They provided are. by RPUA services, who I used to work for. Yep. <laughs> and who is doing, you know, um, helping us with all of the, um, the porta toilets and the uh, dumpsters, et cetera, for the field house. Kyle mm-hmm. and the Rude family have been amazing supporters, both for the fitness challenge, donating yeah. what we need. And um, so, yeah, the nicest porta toilets around, but yeah. they're still cold in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> they should make ones with solar panels on the right? top with heated seats yes that would that's that, an idea we could do that yeah i mean they're already very i mean believe it or not like one of those ported toilets um costs like eight hundred dollars yeah oh i know it's insane for a bunch of injection molded parts really but i mean they're huge but so uh can you explain some of the events that the maddie potts foundation does yeah um pretty much you name it and we do it mm-hmm. um and we have taken on this project knowing it was going to be a pretty astronomical reach. Um, but in four years, with the support of the community and all of our events, we've been able to raise over $860,000. And when I say events, I mean like small events, paint nights hosted by people, Um soccer tournaments hosted for not just by other schools but other states um basketball fundraisers bake sales i mean everyone has done absolutely everything they've done uh, melodies for maddie which was like a little um kind of like a mini concert um with tribute songs to her uh the foundation sponsored events are pretty much Every six weeks, it seems. Um, the last three months, we just kind of try and regroup over the holidays. But we have one that is started by um, actually a town councilman, Jim Palmiciano, who you might know, who does the food, helps uh, organize the food truck nights. But uh, he's starting what they call a jail and bail. And um, what that is, is people get nominated to get put, quote, in a virtual jail. And then in order to get out of jail, there's a price kind of associated with everybody. And of course, people have to accept that they mm-hmm. will be in jail. Um, and each person tries to raise that amount. And the amounts are different, like $500, $1,000, $2,500, 5, depending on the amount of supporters people might initially have. Um, and he's going to start that soon, but it runs for three weeks in February. And then the final event being the end of February, we actually are working on having people put in a pseudo jail and streaming it live. And all of the money raised um, 
if you don't hit your goal, you get put in virtual jail. And then we do, it's almost like a live auction to try and raise money. And he's done it for his company and he's been very successful. So we thought it'd be something kind of fun for the foundation. And, um, I can already tell you your list. Your name is on the list to be put in jail, Max. So. <laughs> oh, no. Um, you'll be getting a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we have um, an annual beer and wine tasting at Valley Country Club run by our friend uh, at Tasca Ford, Steve Barbado. That is huge. Uh, we do a silent auction with that as well. We have um, the Halley Linacree Memorial Soccer Tournament in May which uh, Hallie Linacre was Maddie's best friend who passed in her sleep in May of 2020 of um, cardiac arrest, no other determined cause. Um, so we help sponsor her scholarships and help sponsor her tournament that's in May. Um, to back up a little bit, I'm hoping we have a ribbon cutting ceremony for the field house on Maddie's, what would be Maddie's 22nd birthday, April 11th this year. And then we have our golf tournament, which is in June. I don't remember the date. I think it's June 18th, which sells out the second registration Great opens. Golf tournament. Right. I You've golfed in it, right? That. Yeah. yeah. Um, and our, I don't want to say it's our biggest event because it's not what we, raise the most funds at, but the one that is most important to me and it really tells Maddie's story is the Maddie Potts Fitness Challenge. And that's usually in August. And it represents the characteristics that Maddie's friends felt she represented throughout her life, um, and which we've trademarked as Maddie Mentality. Uh, her friends and the class of 2018 really started that. Um, so we make sure it's at Nenegrit Park, typically in Charlestown. And Charlestown, you know, doesn't even charge us to use the their fields, which is phenomenal. It's a great setup. And there's 11 different workouts, each with a characteristic of Maddie. And we try to do something that is inclusive for absolutely everybody. So we have the New England Revolution and some uh, local lacrosse coaches from local colleges come um, on one end of things to do workouts for people. We have uh, Beast Mode Soccer come from California to work with a group. But then we also have um, an obstacle course, an adaptive obstacle course for those with disabilities and for kids. We have yoga. We have a walking path. We have I mean, anything we can think of to do, we invite coaches in and trainers in to do. So it really ends up just being a great day to celebrate Maddie, but even more so to give the community an opportunity to try a workout they might otherwise be intimidated with or wouldn't feel they'd want to commit to something. I mean, kickboxing, um, Bar Coast has been there doing workouts, Amp Fit, the Local YMCA comes to do workouts. Um, Manic Training does a crazy workout. He brings like, one year he brought his like rope course. Uh, John Ford, I, I could go on and on and on. The amount of support, it would be impossible. We'd be here, I'd take up every moment of every podcast if I was able to list the amount of people and the amount of supporters that we've had over four years. 
Go ahead if you want to list some of them. I know. I'm, I, mean, I feel we, like you can. I, they they deserve to be mentioned. You yeah, know, for supporting their foundation. So it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, it has the most tragic of losses that a parent could have. Um, has renewed our faith in humanity and really about how important it is to give back to your community far before you may ever need them to return the favor. Um, you know, not to give back because you expect something in return, but because it's the right thing to do. If we all work together, mm -hmm. we can accomplish far bigger things than we can as individuals. Mm -hmm. And that's how Maddie lived her life, and that's what we base the foundation on. Yeah, I mean, in a world so divided, yep. to have this foundation made the local area feel like just one community, and it's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah I've mentioned that before, and it's it's just it's great, like like you said. Um, but yeah, so I think we'll be right back after this sponsor break. Hey there. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but I just want to take this chance to tell you to share the podcast on your social media platforms. Link it on your Instagram story. Follow Knowledge is Power underscore Rhode Island on Instagram and leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening on that platform. If you're interested in supporting the podcast and donating some money, all you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash K-I-P-P-O-D. And there's three separate tiers there where you can get exclusive content, ad-free content, and you can even suggest questions for me to ask future guests on the podcast. So guys, make sure to check out my Patreon. Also, make sure to share this podcast on your social media accounts, link it to Spotify, review it on Apple. I would very much appreciate that. So thanks, guys, and enjoy the episode. Alrighty, so we are back, and something you wanted to talk about was uh, the delays in the building of the field house. Yeah, there's been a lot. Um, again, I practice medicine, not construction. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we took on this venture, we honestly were completely clueless. We knew what we wanted to try and do, and we were told that it was possible. Um, so we really started, um, what started us early on to make us realize that, okay, we can do this was, uh, Nike actually reached out to me through people that had shared Maddie's story. And the story of that is Maddie was literally forever, nothing but Nike, like, she lived to be able to go to the Nike outlet. Um, she was a girl who asked for very little, um, but every year she would ask for a new pair of Nike soccer cleats and a Nike soccer bag. And I still have actually on the shelf um, of kind of our mementos at home, her very first pair of shoes when she was a baby was a pair of Nike sneakers and I have those placed next to her Nike cleats that she had just ordered and personalized um, and they came in the week before she died so people somehow got that story to Nike they called me and they gave us a $50,000 unrestricted 
donation through their division of Made to Play, which um, supports young females ages 5 to 12, and really same thing, fostering those characteristics they can use throughout their life. Um, so that really made us think, okay, we can do something with this. So we formed a very small building committee of just all local um, friends, boosters, some soccer parents that were engineers and had some knowledge to help. Um, and our initial estimate of what we wanted to do was somewhere between three hundred fifty and five hundred thousand. Um, and we had huge support by uh, the Fairway Foundation. They ran a golf tournament for us and gave us another fifty thousand dollars. The URI Panhellenic Council, um, the Greek Life Organization, reached out. They raised seventy-five thousand dollars in like six wow. weeks. Um, we were able to get a grant um, through the Providence Journal Legacy um, Foundation for fifty thousand dollars. So our momentum built quickly. I mean, I had to, I applied for all those things, but we were eligible. Um, so we had the funds. Um, we had to expand the design. We were in process of doing that, and the pandemic hit. And not only did it eliminate close to a year of fundraising, which we desperately needed as a new nonprofit, but you know, as you know, it put everything on hold. Um, so there was a lot of question, well, why didn't we build? the field house during the pandemic when everything was closed. But part of the problem is everything was closed. So we couldn't get permits. We couldn't mm -hmm. get any of those things. And we were short on fundraising because all of our fundraisers had gotten canceled. But again, community stepped up. Um, donations, you know, continue to come in. I don't know how this community has another single cent to give us. I don't know how they could buy another shirt, another hat, another lanyard. I mean, the community has raised that much money, not the Potts family. It's just been everybody working together to do that. Um, so we regrouped. We talked to the engineers, the building committee, and decided that we needed to delay breaking ground because of all the unknowns with the pandemic, and I don't mean to blame it on one thing, but that was an enormous hit for us in every way possible. Um, you know, sadly, uh, Barry Ritchie, who was our biggest supporter and the superintendent of the district that is really responsible for helping us get approvals so quickly through the school committee, and was just an enormous support after Maddie passed, as well as just our family throughout the process. Um, he passed away, you know, a few months before that. And so we had a change of administration. We had a lot of things going on. And I just, I said from the beginning, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. And we're going to build it as it should be. And we're going to build it to be as durable and low maintenance as possible. So there were things we weren't willing to give up on. There are things that we adjusted from a cost standpoint, but we just needed to 
make sure everything was on track before we started. And with the help of Turgeon um, Construction and Dave Ducharme, who is one of the owners of the company and lives locally, um, stepped up and said, what do you need? And I said, I don't even know what we need. And we sat down. He helped take on the project. Our goals were to involve as many local um, businesses that really needed some support, particularly after the pandemic. Um, And we ultimately had a ceremonial groundbreaking April 11th of 2021. A lot of questions were then raised, unfortunately, as to why didn't construction start right away. And I've tried to explain that in every way I can, but that was a ceremonial groundbreaking. We knew we weren't intending to break ground until June because we didn't want to to disrupt the already disrupted school district. Um, And then, to add to that, once we were ready to do that in June, we found uh, a drainage system that was underground that no one knew about, including Cherahoe. And that ran right where the outside wall of the field house was supposed to be. So as you know, there's really nothing quick that happens in Rhode Island in a lot of ways, despite mm-hmm. being the smallest state. Um, so ultimately, what we've, once we figured out this drainage system, we also found out that we, are not, we were not allowed to touch it. There's some 100-year rule that I can't explain, and I don't even want to try. So... We had to go back to engineers, and essentially we had to move the building eight feet, which then put us in the way of the national grid lines. Mm. So again, now things are opening up. Now we're coming out of our shells a bit from the pandemic. Businesses are getting up and rolling again. Summer's crazy with contractors and constructions and subcontractors, which is fabulous you know that's what we all needed and we support all of that but a lot of the local contractors that had signed on early on had now gotten really busy trying to focus on their own businesses Um, and though they really wanted to support us um, after having multiple conversations they really just needed to focus on their own business and getting their family back on track and Therefore, we lost a lot of our in-kind donations of labor, et cetera, and we kind of had to start to scramble a little bit to get subcontractors that were available. Um, And despite everyone's generosity and discounts and everything else, you know, that's going to have a cost associated with it. Um, So once we re-engineered the building, um, worked with National Grid, got out of the way of the drainage system, Um, we tallied up where we were with bids and everything when they went out. And again, people have been very generous. I would never once complain about any bid or cost or anything, but, um, the total that went from 600,000 and then we did add an HVAC system, um, with air conditioning and, and heat, um, and we weren't able to get a variance for the insulation through the state, 
that had put us up to 850,000 and then add all of the um, updated bids, material costs, you name it, add it on. And I sat down with Dave and we ended up at $1,279,000. Wow. And as we promised, we weren't going to start something that we weren't going to be able to finish. Mm -hmm. So I cried. I cried a lot. I'm not a big crier, but I cried a lot. I cried at Dave's. I cried at school. I cried pretty much everywhere, privately, and figured out. And I think what upset me most is that we made promises. I made promises. I made promises to Maddie the night she died. I made promises to her teams over the years that we were going to have a field house done for them to use before they graduated. And that all completely became out of my control from everything I just mentioned. And, you know, I, I cried for myself. I cried for Julia because I really wanted this building done before Maddie's little sister graduated and she's a senior. Um, and I think I most cried for the kids and now I'm going to cry in your podcast, um, that I wasn't able to keep those promises. Those kids were graduating and that particular class had seen their friend, their teammate, their captain die in front of them. And the only way we all got through this was by doing it together and telling it was going to be okay and holding on to the positives. And when we weren't able to do that, I felt like that was one more loss that we weren't able to accomplish. And I took that personally, and I still I take that personally um, because there's nothing more that I wanted to give them than to realize that you can witness one of the most tragic things that hopefully you ever will in your life, but you can make a positive out of it. And you can do that by working together, giving back to your community, um, honoring Maddie's legacy, and really asking, you know, what would Maddie do and what would Maddie want us to do? So when that all kind of started to spiral down around me, um, I needed to personally kind of regroup from that and refocus and figure out ways that we could accomplish this goal, even if it was off of our timeline. And that was probably the longest winded answer you ever got on a podcast yet. <laughs> no, that's, that's, and, and I just want to say that, um, I don't think uh, while the field house is great, I don't think the delays is bothering a lot of people. And the reasoning behind that is because, You've already you have accomplished so much in the messaging behind the foundation, and for all these students that are graduating, I think that's what's going to stick with them for the rest of their lives is is the inspiration that the foundation has created and uh, just inspiring them to live every day and be appreciate you know appreciate everything that that they right. have in their lives right and. That's what's really going to stick with them. So I think that you've already accomplished that. And the field house is a cherry on top, but that's what's really what's going to stick with them. So, um, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Um, and that's exactly what I'm, you know, I'm hopeful of. And um, 
that's something that's not ever going to change. Um, and I hope that people look at it like um, we have been given a lot of raw deals in this life. And I think, you know, the meaning of your podcast, the title of it, Knowledge is Power, is not just kind of knowledge of business and knowledge of um, a degree. I think knowledge is anything you really want it to be. You have to learn from those experiences. You have to work together and you have to draw on those strengths and you have to let things break you down so you can rebuild and come back stronger. And Maddie was a prime example of that in so many ways and so many things that people don't know or realize. She just focused on what she wanted to accomplish for her teams as much as herself. And the only way she could do that was to make herself better. And she was not the soccer player that you hear about now. She was never a lacrosse player until, you know, her soccer team recruited her to do so. She was not naturally gifted in athletics. She was never the star of the teams. Um, she actually had been cut from many teams and she, even as an 11 year old, she was devastated when she got cut from the team of all of her friends. And I think there's so many kids that can relate to that. And it's heartbreaking, especially as a parent to see your child so sad about that, but she would make me take her to the practice of the team that she made that she was very happy, you know, to be with, but sad that she felt she had worked really hard to get to this different level team. She would make me take her, you know, to Ninigret, go to a two, I don't know, two and a half hour practice. And then she would ask me to drive her to the team she had gotten cut from so she could watch their practice and learn from that. And she was in fifth grade. That isn't something you can necessarily teach anyone. You'd like to think as a parent that you can, but that's also just something that is born within you. And Maddie took that loss. She learned from it. She found ways to become better. She played with guys' teams, you know. She played with Connor Klein, Riley Hughes, the people that ultimately were her best friends when she passed and, you know, support us to this day and vice versa. She um, went and played on the guys' teams because coaches had told her she needed to become more aggressive if she wanted to succeed. So she's like, all right, I'll play against the guys. I feel like that was a big turning point for her. She signed up for probably one of the most grueling um, training programs that I've 
seen and my background is I have a master's in exercise physiology and I was an athletic trainer before I became a physician assistant and uh, we Maddie and then eventually Julia my younger daughter joined higher level which is based out of um, East Greenwich uh, Greg Murphy Adam Howarth two of the most incredible humans I've met um, and they worked these kids butts off but they did it in a way that even if they broke them down physically they were making them mentally stronger they fostered Maddie's self-esteem and she was ultimately just a very kind of shy backwards kid um, they made her stronger on every level and if and you know, Maddie didn't even try out in sixth grade because she was just so broken from, you know, being cut from a team that she had really thought she could make. So her self-esteem was really kind of shook up and she joined higher level. She got better um, and tried out in seventh grade, ended up being nominated as the soccer captain in eighth grade. Um, you know, fast forward high school uh she spent every summer she would make me drive her home from family vacations so she could go to higher level training she didn't want to miss anything she would make me drive her home from our uh, family vacation the summer before she died so she wouldn't miss a captain's practice because she had been elected captain so much like her foundation and the struggles that I just mentioned, Maddie did exactly what we've done. She took a loss, learned how to manage it, get through it, make herself better, and affect all of those around her. And when I say our mission of the foundation is truly what would Maddie do, we focus every decision based on that. And that's the knowledge you can gain to become more powerful by affecting all those around you because that's ultimately going to come back to you and be your support system often when you don't even realize you're going to need it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's some infinite wisdom right there um very well said uh so something else that you wanted to talk about um was things that uh well how the pandemic affected the maddie potts foundation you said that in the field house but were there any other ways that it affected uh just from a, a fundraising standpoint you know still like we were supposed to have a um our wine tasting is typically in October. We had to cancel that. Mm -hmm. That's typically over $20,000 we raise in, you know, a couple hours with the help of Steve Barbado, Barbado and Tasca Ford. Um, and at Valley Country Club, they're incredibly supportive. Um, and all of Steve Barbado's uh, friends and supporters, he's just a very generous guy that I never even knew before Maddie passed. And he heard Maddie's story, something struck him that he could relate to, and he's just been relentless in his pursuit to help us. So fundraising um, has been huge, um, a huge loss. Um, you know, personally, um, 
we had to sell our rental property, um, which sounds really like first world problems and my apologies. It's not meant to sound that way, but um, that was going to be the only way we were going to be able to fund this field house and not have any more delays. So um, personally, we've loaned um, the foundation a significant amount of money in order to accomplish this task because I just couldn't allow it to take any longer. It, it needed to be done. It needed to be done before the people that knew Maddie were no longer going to be at Cheriho. And, you know, whether that might even be my own family that, you know, isn't around. But, um, but I also think, I guess what truly what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I still believe that everything happens for a reason. And I don't know why I still believe that because I'm still really mad at what is otherwise can be a very cruel universe. But I feel people need to stop and listen and really make their decisions based on what is put in front of them. And the pandemic has given us time to reevaluate the design, make things a little more efficient. Uh, I feel like it's kind of added a lot to what we're building um, and will ultimately make it more useful for more groups of individuals, not just athletes for 30 years to come. I hope that's what we're working on doing. Yeah. Um, so from a foundation standpoint, how, like, what are the, some of the, the hurdles you'd have to jump <laughs> from a state level and, and regulations levels? And how do you think the state can improve on uh, from, we've had a lot of struggles. Mm. Uh, so when we started the foundation, I was clueless, completely clueless as to what it was going to take to start a nonprofit and particularly a, a tax exempt 501c3, which is a federal designation. Um, I got approved through the state fairly quickly from that regard the IRS portion of the 501c3 took 16 months um, because naturally we used to call this Potts Law before we lost Maddie because it's no longer funny. But um, we, I filed for our IRS um, nonprofit status and then the government shutdown. So we were held up in that, and then, so that was what, 2018 into 19, we're still dealing with that. So we, we finally got that, and honestly, um, I really need to thank uh, George Carvalho out of Sheldon Whitehouse's office. Um, I finally reached out to him and said, I don't know what else to do, like, how, how do I get this? Because all of the donations people had given Initially, if I didn't get that designation within 18 months, uh, none of those would have been tax exempt. All of the donations we got would not have been tax exempt. Um, so I was panicked because I had no control over the federal government, for goodness sake. So um, Sheldon Whitehouse's office was incredibly helpful getting me in contact with people, and we had gotten it 
approved uh, April 5th of, must have been 2019. And um, then uh, Blake Filippi, actually, who was on your podcast not too long ago, uh, helped us as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, everyone has been incredibly supportive. Um, We could talk personally on a different level about the temporary disability insurance, the unemployment system that um, really, in my situation, being an emergency medicine physician assistant who was involved in the periphery of resuscitating my own child, how the state could make it so difficult on someone in my situation is really a story for another time because I wouldn't want to tarnish everything we're talking about with the foundation um, based on my own struggles with some of the state systems. Yeah, that's no problem. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, Blake Blake is awesome. He, yeah. He's, he's uh, been very supportive of you know, this podcast yeah. too. So I really appreciated him coming on and that's great that he helped out the foundation. Um, but so something that I had mentioned, uh, when we had talked about you coming on the podcast is talking yeah. about the importance of sports in the schools. Yep. And I don't know if you want to comment on anything. Yeah. And I think it, um, so, you know, I'm an ex athlete, so to speak. Um, and, you know, I was a, a runner in school and then became a, you know, a marathon runner. And um, I always found personally that athletics can teach you those lifelong lessons that I referred to early on and why we paired with the Positive Coaching Alliance and um, another nonprofit called Positive Tracks. Um, what it taught me, which I can't speak for others, is that it's like any other part of life, and I think it is an analogy to our loss, that it's a process. It's a process of training. Um, It's a process of taking care of yourself and being mindful of what your needs are as well as, you know, your teammates around you. Um, It's about even though track and running is a more individual sport, um, it's about leaning on those around you and focusing on their strengths and even your weaknesses and being able to admit what you can and can't do. And as far as marathoning, um, that just teaches you that you can dig deeper than you ever thought you could to complete a goal and I use what I learned from athletics to achieve a lot of what we've done today um, both personally and you know professionally in regards to the foundation Mm -hmm. what I saw with Maddie and Julia was very similar and the bonds that can be made in athletics, I feel, are maybe even different, more more stronger, stronger. I don't know than what you can in other ways, because you really do need to learn to depend on people. And 
I look at our board members and our foundation as a team. We all have strengths and weaknesses. We all know what they are. Um, but we can focus on others' weaknesses and help make them stronger and bring them up with us. Um, for Maddie and, again, even Julia, higher-level training that I mentioned is what brought her to the level that everyone hears about now. I mean, she was literally peaking athletically her senior year, which is where you would want to be. And I asked Maddie, especially, you know, how do you feel like you went from getting cut from a team um, to being a captain of, you know, the same team years later? And not only was she captain of soccer, she was an indoor sprinter and she was rookie of the year with lacrosse because she'd never played it. And she was nominated captain her junior year of lacrosse and would have been captain her senior year as well. Um, and she said two things. One, being cut from the team made her realize how much she wanted it. And two, Greg Murphy and higher level is what made the difference. And I think the biggest representation of what athletics and that bond can be is there were two people other than myself that I had speak at Maddie's funeral. And the first was her soccer and lacrosse coach, Brittany Godbout. And the second was Greg Murphy of higher level. And they were the first two people I thought of and the only two that I asked. And if that doesn't speak to the type of bond that can be created if you're a supportive parent that doesn't coach from the sidelines and doesn't give the referees a hard time and focus on sportsmanship and hard work, um, then you can have the type of bond that Maddie did with her coaches and her trainers. Um, she wanted to learn. She wanted to work. She wanted to make everyone around her better. So that's why we feel athletics are important. I am less familiar with um, art and drama. Um, I can't sing. I certainly can't draw. I can't do anything artistic, but Maddie and Julia can. I just have less experience with those types of bonds, but I feel like if they use the same characteristics um, that you do with athletics while trying to make everyone around you better, even if they're not the best artist or the best singer, then I have no doubt those types of bonds can be every bit as strong. Yeah. I mean, in my opinion, sports are, are necessary. Every mm -hmm kid sports drama you know those yep. sort of clubs are necessary in in anybody's life because it teaches you about being on a team and you know if you work in any professional environment you have to be on a team right uh and it's a less working with other people is very valuable to have um and not only does it make you better in a professional atmosphere but it does personally uh, and for me, um, I played baseball, you know, forever. 
uh, and I was never great at it. Um, you know, I was, I didn't make, you know, wreck all stars until I was like 12 or 13. And then I played on a travel team and I was never like the number one starter, but I, I, I played and then I went out and tried out for this team. And I mentioned this place before Rhode Island baseball Institute. And I played for them for, for, I mean, five years, four seasons, you know, like we trained in the winter or whatever. Yeah. And, um, I'm trying to get my, my old coach, coach John on the podcast, uh, eventually, but you know, I'm just going to say this. So he felt like, you know, our team, our last season wasn't very successful. You know, we, we lost more games than we won. Mm. And he felt from a coaching standpoint that, uh, he had failed us. And, uh, for me, you know, somebody who at that point wasn't sure if they were going to go on and play at a higher level. I felt like he couldn't have been more wrong because uh, the life lessons that were taught from being on a team for that long and, you know, the things that I gained from that team, I will never forget. Um, And I will forever be thankful to him for teaching me those things. He may not have, you know, I think he did know that, that he taught us those things, but it wasn't the number one priority. It was baseball for him. Right. But he indirectly, I guess, taught me those things. And, you know, I'll forever be thankful for that. And that's why sports were important to me, you know, and will forever be important to me. And I have now started to coach and I love it. That's awesome, right? Yeah. And for me, the number one thing I look into every player isn't skill. It's can you be a teammate? Right. Are you coachable? And that's the number one thing. And some kids don't like that. And, and parents don't like that either. No. Right. And I've learned that the hard way. <laughs> right. I'm not going to name any names, but yep. if that person's listening to the podcast, you know who they, you who are. <laughs> parents can be brutal. I hear it. Yeah. And I'm sure I've been guilty of that at some point too, yeah. but I'd like to think I, I haven't, but. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah. You know, a lot of these coaches are volunteers and right. they don't get paid. And they're doing it because they might have a kid on the team or just because they love the sport like me. Right. Like I didn't have any kids in rec teams. You know, I just love baseball and I wanted to get exposed to coaching. Exactly. You know, like um, I think baseball is the greatest sport in the world and I will debate anybody to the teeth about that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's it's, a lot of people say it's an individual sport and it doesn't make any sense. No. Because... You know, it's one of the most mental sports that exist. You know, it's, I mean, you are going to fail more than you are going to succeed. Right. It's unlike any other sport. You know, like if you succeed three out of 10 times hitting, you're really good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, think about it. If, if Mac Jones only completed three out of 10 passes, he would not be in, he wouldn't be in college. (laughs) He wouldn't wouldn't be be in high school, (laughs) you know, or, or if, you know, basketball players only made three out of 10 shots, you know, right. that's, that's horrible. Yeah. But in baseball, that's really good. And, you know, from a mental standpoint, it kills you, Right. you know, cause it just, it's, especially if you play other sports, you know, and that's a, that's a valuable life, life lesson is to learn how to fail is something that's very valuable because it's going to happen. You're Absolutely. not going to be successful in everything you do. Learning yep. to fail and how to deal with failure, 
is something that uh, is priceless, really. Right. And uh, that that's why I think sports are necessary. And, and it's just like, I mean, just like in any other sports, you fail in other sports, too, and learning with that failure it, right. it is, is very important. Well, it does set you up for, and that's the whole mission of the Positive Coaching Alliance is um, better athletes, better people. Mm-hmm. And they all focus on those lifelong lessons of, what do you do with failure? You're always going to have a loss of some type. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's how you handle that loss and how you handle, you know, three out of 10, you know, hits. Sorry, I don't know much about baseball. That's okay. <laughs> um, but it's, it's that third positive hit that is why you keep going, mm-hmm. you know, because you know it's there, you know you're capable. And it's like anything else, you just have to believe in yourself and, and your teammates. And uh, again, teams don't have to be athletics. Exactly, um, yeah. I feel like teams are what we've created with the Maddie Potts Foundation. And currently, we are looking for to add some additional business owners. But I look at our foundation board as a, a team. I couldn't do any of what we do without every single one of them. And... We're a bunch of soccer moms <laughs> that have raised $860,000. Yeah. And I I don't think a lot of people realize that, that everyone that joined us was a friend of one of our soccer moms, you know, Keith Frost, who mm-hmm. we all knew, love, and missed dearly. Um spoke presented um for the foundation board at an event we couldn't be at uh for the rotary club and whenever he told everyone's like well what businesses are on your board and this and that and of course keith was our treasurer and a business owner owned higher grounds community coffee house for those that don't know and keith said uh nope it's me and a bunch of soccer moms and (laughs) they were like really? And you've raised that much money? And he's like, yep. He goes, the most powerful group of soccer moms you will ever meet. <laughs> and he, you know, he, we would laugh about that at every meeting. There was, there sat Keith and the rest of, you know, uh, all of us, we always appreciated that Jen let us borrow him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, I feel like you can apply that to every single situation in life is be a team player. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think athletics just naturally sets you up for those beliefs. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually went into detail about uh, Keith in my intro to my podcast because he's really the reason why I started this. Oh, really? This whole I didn't podcast. know that. Yeah. So um, for those of you listening, you should probably listen to the, the intro to the podcast. Uh, that's He's why I started this, this whole thing. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. So incredible man yeah incredible um we are honoring um those that we've lost since losing maddie in a number of ways at the field house and uh the the first one which we may have mentioned at the groundbreaking ceremony in april is we have a an officials room a private room private bathroom for them to change etc um, like a private area that we're building and in the field house, um, that will be 
dedicated to it'll be the Halle Linacre officials suite or whatever mm-hmm. our name um, because Halle was a Cherokee soccer player as well uh, a year ahead of Maddie very similar in all the values and they were best friends and Halle's brothers and father are all soccer officials and the soccer officials throughout the state have been very supportive. They changed the name of their award, state award, to the Maddie Potts Sportsmanship Award right after she passed. It was that year. Um, so we thought it would be a great addition to have a separate area for them to go, even at halftime. So we'll, we'll be dedicating that and naming that after Hallie. And uh, we have, I don't think I want to give it away. We have uh, what I think, and Jen Frost agrees, a, a beautiful way to really pay tribute to Keith, but I don't think I want to reveal it yet. Okay, that's all right. <laughs> um, and you had mentioned something about helping other parents. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I was reflecting on, you know, the title of your podcast, Knowledge is Power, and I know you focus on a lot of, you know, some politicians, business owners more so. Is that correct? Yeah, the ones yeah. That, yeah. I, it's adapted since I've created it. Yeah. You know, because I didn't really want to limit myself and because I I think sharing people's life stories is a perfect way to, right. to talk about or, you know, categorize it. Yeah. So, you know... I can tell you a lot about a foundation. I can tell you a lot of what to do and what not to do. But I think personally, the knowledge that I've gained that has honestly helped me survive um, a loss that no human should ever have to do. And particularly as a physician assistant, um, and, you know, the night that we lost Maddie, no one should have to survive that. And because we've allowed our story to be so public, um, partly because Maddie died publicly on the soccer field, um, I've had a lot of parents who've lost children since then reach out to me. And... I tell them all the same thing. All of our circumstances are different. And what we choose to do with those circumstances are different, partly in how we lost our children. But we all end up in the exact same place, and that's having to bury one of our kids, which goes against all rules of life, in my opinion. Um, so I just try to support them in ways that I can. And what I've learned is often just knowing that there's another parent out there that has survived this loss was helpful to me and other parents have said the same, um, the difficulty in that is 
as much as I want to help, and I do, it also brings me back to the first days, weeks, months of losing Maddie. Um, It brings you right back there emotionally. So part of where we want to go with the foundation once the field house is completed is to increase our resources for families that have lost, particularly children, acutely, tragically. Um, Both myself and uh, Hallie's mom, Mary Linacre, who's always been on our foundation board. Um, Hallie was a very big supporter of the foundation, uh, ran fundraisers for us at college. Um, We already... Uh, pay for or offset funeral expenses for people that have lost children acutely, but we've done that for adults as well. Uh, We would like to expand on that because that's a resource that we didn't realize we needed, we didn't realize we had, and that can be, that can take... um, It can make a loss that's awful a little less awful. Um, So we'd like to expand our resources and being able to help parents and families even more so because sadly we know exactly what to do and exactly when we need to do it, you know, in every way possible. And again, that could be a whole nother podcast, but um, we would like to help um, give back to Hasbro more. Um, There's been money that's been donated to Hasbro on Maddie's name, and they were able to buy a kind of entertainment um, music system for the kids' MRI at Hasbro, which Maddie loved music, so I think she would be happy with that gesture. Um, And then ultimately, now that our first goal is closer to being completed with the field house. Um, We would like to ultimately change our focus a little bit more to brain aneurysm awareness and funding for that because it is horribly over underfunded. Um, It's just initially we've wanted to focus on how Maddie lived her life, not what caused her death, but we've been, given a platform that we can make changes on a lot of different levels. And I feel like her story needs to be told more to make people aware of the signs and symptoms of brain aneurysms in case you, you can save a life. I mean, Maddie Mm -hmm. didn't have any symptoms. She was playing the best soccer game of her life. We were recording it for college. Um, Sadly, we have it on video, and even though her outcome wasn't going to be able to be changed by sharing her story, maybe someone else's can. So as we move forward with the foundation and finish and kind of regroup and finish funding the field house, um, then... I'm hopeful we can reach even more people than what we currently do. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, so we're reaching towards the end of the podcast. Uh, so if you want to tell people how to donate to the, the foundation. Um, yeah, that'd be great. Uh, lots of ways. You can go to uh, org, and it's M-A-D-D-I-E-P-O-T-T-S foundation.org and hit donate. That takes you to our PayPal. Um, we accept checks, cash, uh raffle prize donations, silent auction items, um, and they can be sent to uh, P.O. Box 539, Hope Valley, Rhode Island, 02832. Um, We have events all the time. Um, We are looking for two things. Uh, One, as soon as, so our organization is entirely volunteer we all pay for our own merchandise. I mean, um, we don't pay anyone to do anything, but I desperately need, as you know, because you've helped me, um, help with our website and uh, continuing to adjust that. We are eventually going to have funding for that. And we are looking for, um, we are building an indoor athletic training room as part of the field house. I was the athletic trainer at URI for in the early nineties. So I understand those needs. Um, and we are considering offering, um, a business, perhaps one of the orthopedic groups in the state to have an opportunity to put their name on the athletic training room of the field house. So, um, if someone would like to reach out, they can get me through the foundation page as well. Okay, very cool. And I end my podcast with this question with all my guests. And if you could leave one piece of advice to the listeners, what would that be? Uh, hug your kids. Hug them every single opportunity that you have. Tell them you love them and tell them that you are proud of them every day um, because you never know when that opportunity might be taken away from you. And in the final moments of uh, Maddie's abbreviated life, I was given permission and I jumped on that stretcher and I held on to her and I said, I love you. I am so proud of you. And I am so thankful that I had the opportunity and that I did tell her that every single day and take the pictures, you know, buy the concert tickets, um, use those experiences rather than anything materialistic to spend with your kids and make those sacrifices of your time Um, no matter how difficult it is, because never in a million years did I think I wouldn't have that opportunity again. And I think the one thing that gets me through this loss is that I did those things. Uh, Regret is a powerful thing, and guilt is even worse. And if I had either of those things in this loss, we would not be doing what we're doing. So I am very thankful for that. I'm thankful for you, Max, because you've supported us in ways before I never even knew you. And just 
what I've learned of your own work ethic and your own sense of community, you are going to continue to do some amazing things, um, you know, despite your age. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Very grateful to be here. Thank, Thank you. you. That, yeah. Thanks for saying that it means a lot. Um, you're amazing. So, um, I really appreciate that. Now we're both crying. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, yeah. So, um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming out onto the podcast and share your infinite wisdom. I really appreciate it. Um, Thank great you. conversation. No, it was great to be here. Yeah. I appreciate, uh, you know, the, the community support. Yeah. So, uh, guys, if you have any suggestions for the podcast, email me at knowledge is power, ri at gmail.com try to support the podcast on patreon.com forward slash k-i-p-p-o-d where you can get uh exclusive content that i'll be coming out with soon and you will also get ad-free content and you can uh, suggest questions to ask future podcast guests so thanks guys for listening and i will catch you in the next one